0: Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding recovery podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy. C. we're talking about the 15th chapter of the Tao, De Ching. We, y'all know last week we uh, we read all four of the translations and talked about it and the discussion got so long that we didn't get into the commentaries. So instead of pushing it, I wanted to just go through and maybe read one of those and then start with the commentaries after that. So then go ahead and, and take our time, but there's some really good meat in these. I'm going to, I'm going to share the screen now uh that's got these on here and we'll just discuss them for a minute before we go to the commentaries. Uh, can y'all see my screen okay?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to read. Um, let me read the third one because this guy, I like what's at the end of it. The sages of old were profound and knew the ways of subtly uh, and discernment. Their wisdom is beyond our comprehension because their knowledge was so far superior. I can only give a poor description and notice this, these are the sages of old and he's talking 2,500 years ago. <laughs> so it's sages of old 2,500 years ago. So these what 3,000, 4,000 years ago, who knows, you know, um, they were careful as someone crossing a frozen stream in winter, as alert, uh, alert as if surrounded on all sides by the enemy. Courteous as a guest, fluid as melting ice, or uh, one of the others said, uh, yielding as melt as ice about to melt. Okay, receptive as a valley, turbid as muddy water. Who can be still until their mud settles and the water is cleared by itself? Or this says, till the right answer arises by itself. Kind of that stopping the self-effort business, you know? Uh, The master doesn't seek fulfillment. For only those, and I I quoted this in the, I wrote this in in the post. For only those who are not full are able to be used which brings the feeling of completeness that's what we're after and what they say brings that feeling of completeness is being used and can only be used if we're not already full so that's where we got to last week was talking about that any comments before we start on the commentaries I was going to look at my notes anyone have anything not yet. Okay. Um, let me look at my notes see if there's anything particular I want to meet. Um, now, let's just go ahead and we'll start with the commentaries then. Um, I'm going to first look at Stephen Mitchell's commentary. He's the guy that translated the second uh, one of those. Being used, only those that are not full. Hmm. Until your mud settles, mud stands for concepts, judgments, desires, expectations. Talking about the part that said that uh, can you wait until your mud settles and the right answer arises by itself, Mm. muddy water. And it says the mud there stands for concepts, judgments, desires, expectations, everything that obscures and narrows reality. The master's life is pure and pl- placid, 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 predictable, like the seasons; obvious, like the moon. There's nothing about this that's obvious, <laughs> but yet it is. <laughs> you know, uh, when your mind heart becomes transparent, the light of the Tao shines through. When your mind and heart become transparent, your mud settling, then the light of the Tao. Alder, uh, the Tao is uh, the power greater than ourself. You could say higher power for Dao. So I don't know how familiar you are with this. So I'm going to pretend you know nothing about it. So don't let me insult you, please. Um, my first exposure. Okay. All right. Uh I didn't want, I wasn't trying to talk down by no means, but that's what the power is. Uh, the water is clear. I asked my old teacher Zen master about comment on this. And, uh, our mind is like a glass of clear water. If we put salt in the water, it becomes salt water, sugar water. Uh, if we put shit in, it becomes shit water. But originally the water's clear. No thinking, no mind, no problem. So it's about letting that water settle. How many times have you, I know we talked this, this part last week, but I want to talk about it again. How many times have we, have you ever had a problem in life that if you just relax, let it go, kept your hands off of it, and let it settle, did the right answer just appear on its own? I mean, I don't know the number of times that that is the right action is no action, but that's a much harder action than doing something. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's just this, it's, that's uh, just such great, great wisdom. Okay, I'm um, going to move on that's to that's the uh, Derek Lynn commentary on the Dao Dao De Ching. Uh, just to give you a little background, Audra, the, the Dao A. Ching is the second public, most published book in the world behind the Bible. Um, the guy that wrote this, Lao Tzu is who's credited for it. Um, 2,500 years ago, he was a uh, librarian, more or less, for one of the uh, rulers in China. And he was retiring and leaving. And one of the, one of the military guys asked him to write, Hey, before you leave, Write down what you've learned from all these books. And he quoted this to a soldier, and the soldier wrote it out. He left, you know, went into obscurity, and this is what's left. So, so you know, yeah. Uh, Okay, this is Derek Lynn's commentary on uh, the 15th chapter. The concept of emulation is central to the Tao. The ancient masters recognized that they did not understand the Tao completely, but that they could learn from it by emulating nature. We can learn from them in the same way. The ancient masters were not given to frivolous or reckless acts. They handled responsibilities with serious regard. They resolved issues by carefully considering all sides without jumping to conclusions. The masters were careful, but not uptight. They went about their activities with certain looseness, which took nothing away from their concern for others and for doing a good job. They could be relaxed without lax and thus achieve excellence effortlessly. They could be unattached without being uncaring and thus focus on the process instead of the end result. That's that whole uh, area that we read in there about uh, fluid as melting ice, courteous as a guest, uh, as alert as if uh, surrounded on all sides by the enemy. uh, Careful as crossing a frozen stream in the winter. Those uh, really, I think a lot of that goes to intention in your actions. You know, uh, is it? Am I here to um, uh, to get what I can from you, or am I here to do what I can for you? You know, what am I here for you, or, or are you here for me? You know, that I think that's part of what's behind this. Y'all have any comments? Just just say something, because so, I'm, you know, interrupt me at any moment. I'm just going to keep going. You know, that certain looseness they were talking about. I wonder if, uh, what's the, the comment on recovery that we wear it as a loose garment. There's a loose garment comment that's associated with recovery.
1: Mm-hmm. That,
0: you know, it's not something close fitting, you know, something comfortable. I see that in what they're saying too, you know, that, uh, it's interesting to focus on the process instead of the end result. Um, how many times have we been told, uh, to let go of the outcome. Just do the next right thing. Same. I think the same thing. Mm -hmm. Plain wood. uh, There's one, the way this uh, genuine like plain wood is the translation that he uses on for plain wood. He's referencing simplicity by keeping everything simple. The ancient masters experienced the profound happiness of the uncomplicated presence. Huh. the profound happiness of the uncomplicated present. The ancient sages were known for their openness. They gladly considered new ideas. Now You would think that would be the furthest from someone this wise that they would consider a new idea. I mean, that would be the opposite of what I would think. But that's why they were wise. <laughs> right. And, uh, how many times of our, has our thinking in recovery been challenged? My thinking still challenged almost every day about something. Yeah. If I close my mind and I think I have it figured out, I'm going backwards. I'm not going forward. Uh, you know, I, I try with any, any idea someone has, I try to be open to it until you, know, I see that I can't agree, whatever it is, I can, nothing comes to mind at the moment that, but but I'm uh, I'm constantly thinking about my idea of a higher power, my my ideas of recovery, and I'm always open to uh, uh, to new ideas, you know, on everything. Really, uh, they gladly considered new ideas without uh, dismissing anything out of hand. They treated everyone, even difficult people, with infinite patience. You know, there's a quote, there's a, there's a Dow quote that says that uh, they were honest with uh, good people and honest with bad people. <laughs> they treated everybody fairly. You know, uh, you know, they, they they treated the honest person fairly and they treated the uh, person that wasn't honest fairly. And uh, I see that in this. The image of muddy water becoming clear refers to the gradual revelation of a master's inner qualities. The masters had tremendous depth, so it would take time for people to really know them. The serenity of a sage can be mistaken for passivity or apathy. It may be difficult for people to understand how anyone can embody tranquility and dynamism simultaneously. And I, what I thought about that was, and that's that's a reference to uh, it's, it's the muddy water, being still and uh, uh, who can be serene yet persist in motion gradually. You know, uh, for me, that's, that uh, um, reminds me of tough love. If you have the, you know, if you've ever had to deal with an addict or alcoholic and you've had to you know put your foot down about some things and and um outwardly someone on the outside looking in it would look like you were you know being apathetic or uncaring when you were being just the opposite you know so um i've had to do that actually i've had to do that with my son so um i had to kick him out of the house when he was a senior in high school and uh for drinking we got in a fight I was pouring out his vodka, and and he didn't want me to pour his vodka out, we got in a fight in the kitchen. Police called to the house. I've never had the police call to my house house in my life, you know. (laughs) Police called to the house, you know, and take him off to jail, and I went and told the judge to keep him, not let him out. And uh, it was kind of funny. The judge, uh, when he got up after spending a day in the drunk tank, he's 17, 18 years old. He's 18. And he says, son, he says, I see I'll be, be other problems than alcohol. And uh, he said, son, I, I think you might have a problem with alcohol. No, sir. I, I don't have any problem at all. He said, he said, okay. He said, well, why don't you stay in the drunk take another day and think about it? <laughs> so a day later, he came back and looking rougher and right. You know, he's just been in there a whole another 24 hours. He said, and it was a different magistrate this time. He said, son, he says, and he said the same thing. He says, looks like here you might have a problem with that. Oh, yes, sir, I do. (laughs) But uh, he wasn't convinced to do anything about it, but he was aware of it because he was going to say anything he had to to get out of there. But, uh, but, you know, being able to be serene in those kind of situations can be tough, you know. Um, Keep your peace about it, but know you're doing the right thing. And a lot of times, that idea of uh, of doing nothing outwardly is so much harder than doing something. Have y'all have y'all got any experience with that? Has that happened for y'all in any way? It's happened before, but um,
1: you know what I'm thinking about. You know, as you're explaining this whole thing, is this is with the assumption that you have emptied your mind of all everything you've ever known or learned so that you can go into a situation empty-minded with you know nothing behind it attached to anything which is really next to impossible you really have to be an infant
0: i think you have to do it in percentages marla i, I think it's i think it's just making a little room You know, it's not getting rid of everything because, like you said, that would be almost, it's just me, you know, it's almost like I think in the big book or 12 and 12 where they talked about uh, if you're not willing, pray for willingness. I think that is the same kind of open-mindedness that they're talking, you know, you know, I don't understand, but help me to be, you know, be teachable, help me to, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm going to make room for this, in other words, you know? Yeah. And, and it seems to me when that happens, it's always, always learn from the people that um, I like the least. <laughs> I never learn from the people I think know what they're doing. You know, like if I go to a meeting, I always have to listen to the people that I think know nothing and the ones that uh, I don't like, the ones I don't want to learn from, you know? instead of the, the gurus. I never learned from the gurus. I always learn from the drunk with the weak, you know? <laughs> <laughs> They'll say something that sounds so stupid, and I'm like, hey, I get that. And I hear something totally different out of it. You know I mean? It's, you know, but I think that's that openness they're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. it's not dismiss anyone or anything for any outside reason. That That's what I'm seeing in it, you know? um anyone else or you have any more marla i'm sorry I, i think i interrupted you no you didn't okay all right cool audrey a lot of times we'll go the whole time and we won't have very few comments and then we'll have a whole bunch because this is just so it's kind of heavy you know it's so simple but yet it's i mean you always have to absorb it so you know so don't be shy the ancient masters were therefore never full of themselves this is this part of Uh, doesn't seek fulfillment for only those who are not full are able to be used, okay? The ancient masters were therefore never full of themselves. Like them, we can cultivate quietly, preserving a sense of calmness without drawing attention to ourselves or creating a disturbance. Cultivate quietly, preserving a sense of calmness without drawing attention to ourselves. We see a lot of stuff in this about pride and ego and getting caught up in, uh, uh, you know, the results and letting all that stuff go. So, uh, and I think that's a big part of... uh, of uh, not being full, because you know the goal of this whole thing. You know and they do this a lot of times. They'll paint a picture, and then at the end, tell you what what the action is to cause the picture. You know, so you know. So here you've got. I'm going to share the screen again. So here, let's say you've got. Um, so first. You know, they're talking about the sage cannot even be described. All we can do is describe what he looks like. We can't even describe what he really knows. We can't, you know, can't impart him the wisdom. It's so much that we can't even describe the wisdom. We can just tell you what he had on kind of thing. You know, just nothing compared to what he had. And then describes the characteristics. And it leaves you wondering, how in the world can I do that? And the first clue of that is this patience about mud settling and the right answer arising. I like the way that says it can you remain unmoving till the right answer arises by itself? This is that I, I think this would be the woo way the effortless effort maybe you know effortless effort we focus on the effortless part but it's still effort and that's a lot harder effort for me to do nothing than it is to get in there and try to fix it myself. I would much rather be busy at nothing. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, it's, that is so difficult, you know? And then of course the part that we've been talking about that they don't seek fulfillment and that that's pretty constant across here about all the translations. Uh, and here he says, when you act without expectations, that's part of this not seeking fulfillment. Uh, you can accomplish great things. And not being full you used to bring uh, able to be used, which brings a feeling of completeness. So, so that's your answer. That's our solution there is learning to do this. Learning to let go. Learning to be patient and letting things settle out. And the first step to this, I think, guys, is just being aware of it. You know? Mm-hmm. Just being aware. Cause, I mean, I've so many years without any spiritual awareness whatsoever. Now I'm starting to see these things. doesn't mean I can do them, but I can see it. Now I'm starting to see it in hindsight. Like, oh, crap, if I would have done this, I should have just done what I've been learning and just stayed out of it and just let it work its way out by itself. Why didn't I do that, you know? And uh, uh, why didn't I take that opportunity to help or do When it was presented right in front of me to do, you know, and just respond, you know, instead of making something happen, you know, and starting to see those things and then starting to move on them as we can, as we learn to let go, really, because this is just another aspect of letting go. Okay, this is the uh, uh, Wayne Dyer, Change Your Thoughts for the 15th and i'm going to just put it up on the screen so we can uh we can share it because i have it open i say i do where are you at hold on let me find you um uh, but uh oh it wants me to do a tour i don't want to do that okay yeah. all right now let me share okay now we have it um make it this is the translation he used for for this the ancient masters were profound and subtle their wisdom was unfathomable there's no way to describe it one can only describe them vaguely by their appearance watchful like men crossing a winter stream alert like men aware of danger simple as uncarved wood hollow like caves yielding like ice about to melt amorphous like muddy water I had to look that up. I did not know what a Morpheus meant. Uh has no form. Formless. I guess in uh Matrix, Morpheus, that would make sense, you know. So uh you know, by the way, if I'm ever have a problem with providence and I don't believe God's in control, I watched the second Matrix movie starting at about ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> through the next forty five, that's the part I watch. Plus, I get to see Monica Bellucci for a little while too, so that's an added bonus. But that whole that uh, whole that that whole idea of his belief in providence and uh, that everything's as it should be just really—I uh, don't know how many people are inspired by the Matrix, but uh, I'm one of them. Uh, but the muddiest water clears, and it's as it is still. The muddiest water. And out of that stillness, life arises. He who keeps the dial does not want to be full. Wow. It's not that they don't seek it, but they, they don't want it. But precisely because he is never full, he can remain like a hidden sprout and does not rush to early ripening. I didn't see that before. Does not want to be full. Hmm. I'm nowhere near that.
1: Nowhere near it.
0: No, no.
1: Uh-uh. It's very un-American because we we want to be full. We want to fill ourselves yes. with all kinds of things and be you know what's going to make me happy now. So not to want to be fulfilled is a whole other concept.
0: Oh, oh, <laughs> and so far beyond we we can't we can't hardly even talk It's just like they were talking about like he was yeah. saying about the, the the sages you know we can't even comprehend that you know that's uh i, I
2: was going to say that this the the idea of not seeking fulfillment is not something that i've encountered before so that's very very new and uh yeah i'll have to think about that one and turn it over in my head a little bit <clears throat>
0: Dear, if that's the first thing that's over your head, you're doing you're doing better than the rest of us. <laughs> Even though I'm speaking, I'm I'm still at all with this. You know, I mean, it's uh, you've heard me talk, but that doesn't mean I have it figured out. By no means. I mean, it's uh, uh, yeah, that idea of not wanting to be filled. Uh, I remember reading Richard Rohr. He's a Franciscan monk. I don't know if you read any of his stuff, but he's got a lot of things. Uh, breathing Underwater is a book that he wrote that, uh, that he related to the 12 steps. He's not in recovery. But uh, he said that he prays for one good humility a day. And so is that akin to not wanting to be full? I think it may be, you know, um, something similar um, might be a good place to start with that. I don't know. I, I'm not there yet. I do occasionally. I'm occasionally that spiritual that I can pray for humility, but not that often yet. <laughs> I still want all I want, you know? Yeah,
1: but humility is so important.
0: It's, uh, it, it, keep, it helps keep me in touch with the fact that this is all a gift, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not the one doing this. It's not my self-effort that accomplishes anything. It's me getting out of the way. Um, that powerlessness that would you know, that, that I see in in, in uh, the steps uh, that made the difference for me. Um, it's what I see there. It's not only looking in their situation, looking to a power greater than yourself, like that—that that it's all going to work out in nature, but not even desiring it, not even saying. Well, if you want to do it, it's okay with me. You know, it's no, I don't even want it. Ah, oh. okay. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You got anything, Craig?
3: Yeah, I'm just thinking about the the fulfillment and not not wanting to be full.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I think if you get to that stage, then you're not open to You're not open to newness, and you're basically stuck where you're lot. Um, I think if you take if you take too much on, you're not you're not receptive to to taking any more, and you you get stale, you get still you get stuck with you get stuck with everything you've got, and um, and that can that can stagnate and start to fester and become not good for you, and um, the humility is huge, um, powerless as well. This this chapter is screaming powerless and patience, um, to me, um, I'm in a situation today where I'm completely powerless over what's happening today at work, um, and it's just that. I think admitting that you're powerless over things and accepting that you're powerless over things and the outcomes of things, is two hugely different things. But I think if you're patient and if you do let the water settle, things will rise to the top and the answers that you're looking for will come out. There's no point in jumping in with two feet and uh, pointing fingers and shouting at people over
0: things that they can't control either. Um it in the water even more. Yeah. Do do it even more and you yeah. don't the time to settle out and it never settles
3: yeah absolutely um and i th- i think by I think by being patient and not living a hurried life or or living an unhurried life, then you know things things will happen and things will mature um and things will happen in their own time um I like the part where it's talking about the uncarved wood and the hollow cave um because until something's actually done with them, they just are mm-hmm. it is just uncarved wood it's just a, a hollow rock um it goes back to the chapter where um a house a house what well, a house isn't a home until it's lived in.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I think it's the same as that cave hollow is a cave. Um, it doesn't become a cave or it doesn't become a house until it's habited. That's why it's still hollow.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think just having the patience. If you've got the patience of a cave, you know, a, a cave can't do anything to hurry time along. It can't do anything to to make people live into it. Um, I, I think that's the same with the, the fulfilment. You can't you can't rush this sort of thing. And once you do have it, you have to be able to patiently let it go and just be receptive to new things. Um some of these things can become a burden, and they can they can become toxic as well, so I think that's the i think that's the, the that, that's that's the plus side of not being constantly full um you, you don't have all this toxicity in your life you, you're letting things go and it's not it's not sitting with you
0: I can see that anyone else right now? I
2: guess I was just thinking about if you're trying to not be full you know then you are you're making room you have to make room in your mind for that space and doing that by letting that mud settle and all the stuff that you have in your mind that constitutes that mud letting it settle so you have space you know space for all of this stuff to to move in and like craig was just saying like the uncarved wood and the hollow cave that sort of connects to that because that's like that space those are those spaces that we need to make room for that's what i was thinking about
0: so how do we so how do we start making room so what do we what's our action there's some action there's effort so what is the effort that we can take? This is not a loaded question, because I want to know myself. I have some ideas, but well, what is the effort that we can take to cause this to start happening? Because it's, you're it's, saying the first thing it.
3: that jumps out at me is forgiveness. Yeah, that's good. I, 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 would, I would say forgiveness, because if, if, you, if you're not forgiven, then, again, you're holding on to this toxicity, I, I think. Um, being receptive to new things means you have to be receptive to the bad things in life as well. You can't always just wait for the good things to happen because if if, if that was the case, and you'd be waiting a long, long time, and you, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be used as that vessel for things to flow through. Um, so I think forgiveness would be a huge thing. Um, if if you don't let things go, then then you are being filled, with being consumed with uh, resentment, anger, um, everything that we should really be letting go, not just in recovery but in everyday life. I think once that starts to once that starts to get on top of you, the negativity creeps in as well, and you, you can never see really see the good in the bad things as well. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. okay. out, out, of, out of most bad things, something good happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, I, th- I think this leads on really nicely to the next chapter, it, which goes on about change.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you have to be receptive to to changing as well.
0: Anybody else? you have something, Marla? I need mean, you,
1: did you? <laughs> well, you do have to be receptive to change if you want to change. Yeah. And, and if you want to recover or at least take hold of your addiction, um, you have to be willing to change. And with cha- you have to be open-minded. This is, I'm sorry, speaking from my own experience, I have to be open-minded. And I had to really, really want to change. And I really hated the person I was when I was using. Um, and I wanted that to be different,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So I made the effort and did everything I could to change. Mm-hmm. Still not there yet, but um, you really have to be open to it.
0: I can see that. I can see that, ladies. Either either one of y'all have anything on that, Alder or Kate. You don't have to if you don't. I just, if you did, I wanted to. I, I think there's something to the uh, idea of. Uh, let me go back to my other. Idea of being used. I think there's something to this. Uh, we're not full, so we're able to be used. I think it's back for me. Of course I see service in everything yeah. I look for service I don't know that's just how I'm I've been wired so and I wasn't wired like that before by the way uh, but I you know once I got in recovery I just found what I needed by doing for others so I think there's some element of of being used if the whole goal of this whole thing is to start being used and according to this one translation, it is not for able to be used is the, is the is the whole goal of the entire chapter from what I can see uh, and if I can be used just a little bit, if I'm just empty just a little bit, then I start looking for ways that I can be used, and hopefully by doing that, that'll grow. I don't know. That's my that's my impression, uh, which would be things, Craig, like working the steps and and doing your fourth step and, and keeping your side of the street clean. If you want to use verbiage, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it would be yeah. that stuff, you know, because what is it? Trust God, clean house, help others. So, you know, for me, that all of that's part of it. So it's a lot of the things we're already learning to do just set a different way. And so a lot of times said very clearly you know in a way that speaks to us so yeah so so i would say if i didn't know what to do next i would look around for somebody to do something for if i was stuck yeah back to that same thing we always talk about you know all right oh let me share the screen with the uh uh I'm sorry, I'm not as organized as I. Am. Let me get here. Here we go. All right, let's read through the uh, living an in in unhurried life is what he calls it. Um, and I'm going to hit a few. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I'm going to read a few excerpts from it. Okay. These descriptors paint a picture of those who live unhurriedly but are also in a profoundly aware state. Consider the two ways of being present in this verse of the Tao Te Ching. First, to meld into and therefore become at one with your immediate surroundings. And then simultaneously stay... I'm going to mute you, Craig. I hear you. I got you. Uh, um, And then simultaneously stay so relaxed that your stillness allows all things around you to settle, resulting in a deep clarity. Keep alert and subtly aware, yet at the same time stay still within, not rushing or demanding, but totally in charge of your inner world. This passage of the Tao reminds me of, the, uh, of these words of the Bible, Be still and know that I am God. The place of your origination is stillness from which all of creation comes. That reminds me a little bit of, have you ever had a very uh, stressful situation that, um, and and for all the, you know, in an average situation like that, you'd be a little nervous, but all nerves leave, and you know exactly what to do, and you go into motion above when it's a, when it, I mean, it's on the line, and you've got to do something like an emergency kind of situation, and you just, you know, you just move past your emotions, in other words. And he's saying that they learn to do that on a regular basis and to live in that kind of uh, awareness. Um, have you ever had a situation like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Uh, I had a – I was – well, this is going to sound so redneck, Marla. You'll love this. <laughs> we we lived at a, a my, at a house on the lake, and and every evening I'd build a fire, drink beer, and shoot turtle heads. You know, shoot turtles as they popped up in the lake. Okay, so oh. uh, I know it's awful. Okay, but turtles ate the fish, and we like to fish. Okay, so anyway, so I'm shooting my 22 pistol. My kids are down there. We're all having a good time. And I shoot a turtle head, and I miss it, which I miss most of them anyway. But uh, I miss this one, and it turned toward me and came in a straight line. Like, And I'm like, that's what we call water mox. It's a poisonous, very aggressive snake. And he was coming right at me. And he's, you know, 50 yards away. And I don't move. I stand there past my nerve, and when he gets close enough, I shoot one shot and kill him. And, um, and my daughter was right there. She's like five or six. I didn't tell her to go run to the house or any, I mean, I just said, I'm going to shoot this snake, you know, even though it's coming to attack me. I mean, I'm going to, you know, and past my nerves and all of them, I mean, somebody have said, I'll pay you a hundred, I'll bet you a hundred bucks you can't hit that snake. There's no way I could hit it, but <laughs> it was past that, you know, and, and I mean, I know we've all been in those kind of situations. I'm sure that we get past our nerve. You know, and um uh, maybe this is talking about learning to live in that state. Yeah. That our nerve is no longer the issue, you know, that we can we can look past those things. I don't know. Um Oh gosh, we're almost out of time. Let me I want to finish this though. Um let's see here. Any comments? All right. Uh, your purpose is to stay in harmony with nature, like the sprout hidden beneath the surface of the ground, waiting unhurriedly to emerge and fulfill your destiny. its destiny. It cannot be rushed, nor can anything in nature. Creation takes place on its own timetable. The metaphor is clear here for you as well. You're unfolding in divine order. All that you require will be provided in an unhurried fashion. Let go of your demands. And trust in the perfect unfolding of the Tao, be in a state of watchful gratitude and aligned with the way. Wow, Whew. that's good stuff, just like nature. nature is never hurried and runs by divine order, so do we, so do we uh, okay, stop chasing your dreams. <laughs> Can you believe that? Stop chasing your dreams. Allow them to come to you in perfect order with unquestioned timing. Instead of chasing them, let them come to you. Isn't that so much better? Slow down your frantic pace and practice being hollow like the cave and open to all possibilities like the uncarved wood. Make stillness a regular part of your daily practice. Imagine all that you'd like to experience in life, and then let go. Trust the Tao to work in divine perfection, as it does with everything on the planet. You don't really need to rush or force anything. Be an observer and receive, rather than the pushy director. A uh, receiver, rather than the pushy director of your life. That's me right there. Is this? It is through this unhurried unfolding that you master your existence in the way of the Tao.
1: That's it. That's
0: all you got to do. Oh, that's it. Yeah, let's go. That's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read one more thing. And then uh, uh, I want to read this uh, poem here uh, by Winter Miner. Is that right? How can a man's life keep its course if he will not let it flow? Those who flow as life flow know they need no other force. They feel no wear. They feel no tear. They need no mending, no repair. Man, is that not golden? I mean, this is a Wayne, Alder, this is a Wayne Dyer's, um, Uh, commentary on the Tao Te Ching. I recommend getting a copy. It's called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life.
2: Okay. I'm familiar with the book. I didn't realize that it was the Tao Te Ching.
0: That's exactly what it is. And every chapter he goes through. So that's one of the commentaries. That's the main commentary we read on it. Can you share your
2: screen with us again? That last part you just did? Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, You want the part uh, we read or the... the, uh, or the um, uh, poem. uh point. Okay, hold on. I thought I did. Is that it? You see the poem? Hold on. I hit the wrong screen. Excuse me. Uh, here we go. Now you got it. How can a man's life keep its course if he will not let it flow? Those who flow as life flows know they need no other force. They feel, nowhere, they feel no wear, they feel no tear, they need no mending, no repair. Just let it flow. Take its course. Don't fight the current. Don't hold on after it's gone by. Don't hold on to begin with. It kind of
2: reminds me, Oh, I don't remember, somebody was talking to me about when I was just learning how to meditate and they were talking about noticing your thoughts as they almost as if they were on a stream flowing through your mind yes and just watch them go by don't resist don't judge or anything like that but just to let them notice them observe them and just let them flow right on by as if on a stream
1: meditation yes. is a huge part of transformation so I highly recommend it.
0: You know, and that's that, and that's his action to take for this chapter.
1: Yeah. Is meditation,
0: mm-hmm. you know, taking 10 minutes to sit quietly and contemplate, um, uh, let go of all, uh, hurried thoughts, you know, meditation for me has been incredible. Um, I only started daily a little over a year ago. And, um, uh, I'd had a year, almost a year before that, of just off and on investigating, you know. Um, but uh, it's an everyday, it's it's a, you know, thirteen days out of fourteen thing for me. Almost, and almost every day I get in my meditation time.
1: And how long do you meditate for?
0: Um, I do ten min I I get my mat, my yoga mat out, and I'll do ten minutes on my knees you uh, know, like a child's pose of letting go. And I I use the Lord's prayer for that. And I go through and I let go of anything I'm holding on to to kind of prepare me to meditate. And then I'll sit and meditate for 20 minutes after that. So I have to do the letting go first. And it seems to prepare me like it's a meditation prep, you know, <laughs> and it, and it helps me to, to, if I get my mind quiet for, if not, I'll spend that eight or 10 minutes of that first half, just getting rid of all that stuff, you know, but, yeah. uh, but that works for me. Um, but, uh, but that's huge. That is so, and it's helped me with everything as far as letting go of the, the thought, like food cravings. It's helped me. It's even helped me with things. I realized something the other day, and I'm glad you mentioned that Marla, because I think you'll like this. Um, you know, like if I had a thought of fear or something, I realized the other day, Hey, that's just a thought like any other thought. I don't, that doesn't mean I'm afraid. I'm just having a thought. I can just let it go before it even works into anything. So I don't have to own that thought either, you know? So it kind of helped me a lot with, with those, you know, because, you know, I used to think, I don't know, I'd have some thought and I'd say, oh, well, I said, Oh, I got to act on that. Now, no matter what the thought is, I know I don't have to buy into it. I can just let that thought go, you know? <laughs> um, but I've never had any tools to let it go until I've spent some time meditating. And then now I can just let some of those pass through and not, you know, not act on them. Right. But, uh, I love anybody else had, uh, had any good meditation, um, um, epiphanies or, or have y'all tried that? Has it been helpful to you? I'd encourage you if you haven't to give it a shot. I started with uh headspace actually. And I still do a 10-minute Headspace every day as a trainer because it teaches me new techniques, like that noticing you were talking about, Alder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned that from Headspace and that going through. Uh, I just finished a series on acceptance that was really good on Headspace.
2: Yeah, I have Headspace as well. Um, my thing with meditation is that I notice that whenever I let too much time go by, say, you know, you skip two or three days and you don't meditate, I immediately realize it because I find myself this for me, meditation is kind of getting in touch with who I really am.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, in this life I'm, I'm playing the role of Audrey and I'm a mother and you know, a daughter and all these different roles. And when I don't spend time getting in touch with who I really am, then I find myself getting real caught up in the roles and, um, and that, that get that things just start getting real messy when you get caught up in all that stuff and you 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 don't you, you lose that connection with who you really are. Um, you start that's when you when I when referring to something you said earlier is um you know when you wanna you, you wanna act you wanna jump in there and do something when really you just need to stand back and just wait for you know things to settle. When I find myself constantly acting or reacting in all these different roles, and then I can like I I snap and you know realize that I haven't meditated in a couple of days. You know that's the thing for me is it just kind of keeps me in touch with um with who I really am.
0: Good stuff. Yes. Anyone else have anything before we uh, close out today?